Welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast, presented, presented by, by PCBB 1917.com. Your home for Providence College basketball news, notes, and opinions. Now here's the founder of PCBB 1917.com and your host, Mike Hopkins. And welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast. Thanks for tuning in again after a couple weeks off. Brendan, Chris, and I are all back together here talking Providence's last few games, including the road trip and their most recent win against Georgetown at home. We also discussed uh, Alpha Diallo and Isaiah Jackson, how, how well they've been playing lately. Looked a little bit at the DePaul game this weekend, which is alumni and family weekend. Already a sellout, so make sure you're getting your tickets for that one. The game will be on Fox Sports Network at 4 p.m. Saturday. And I want to give a special shout-out to some of my patrons. Uh, that's JLD, John Lee Dumas, Mike Evans, Michael and Kathy Hopkins, also known as my parents, Adam Nagel, Bob Allison, Ron Torbick, Brendan Ryan, Dan Marcus, Joe DeAngelis, Dennis Corbett, Mike Saburn, Ray Penza, Dennis Burns, Alex Simeone, Chris Thurlow, G., Terry Meyer, and Alan Russ. Special shout-out to those guys there. Really helpful. Uh, with the Patreon page, patreon.com slash pcbb1917. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to our Slack community. $5 a month gets you access to the special recruiting Slack channel. $10, you get a shout-out on the podcast and a few other things. So head over to patreon.com slash pcbb1917. And let's go. And we're back here for another episode of the Providence Friarcast. Brendan, Chris, and I back for uh, for episode 10, I believe. And a lot has happened since uh, the last time we talked. Providence had a three-game road trip, which included trips to Villanova, Seton Hall, and Marquette. They went one and two on that road trip. But looking ahead to the most recent game they played, they did rebound uh, nicely against Marquette on that road trip. And then now two-game win streak after beating Georgetown at the Dunkin' Donuts Center to start a three-game homestand. Providence currently at 7-4 and four in the Big East, tied with Creighton at the moment, although they're playing DePaul as we record tonight. Uh, tied for third place in the Big East with uh, with those seven wins, as I mentioned. So let's get into a little bit of the, of the road trip. I thought the Villanova game, they're number one for a reason. They have a, a clear killer instinct. I felt like Providence was hanging around a little and then went on that scoreless drought, and Villanova just stepped on their throat pretty quick. So that, that one ended pretty quickly. Uh, C- Seton Hall game was a total no-show. I think that everyone was aware of that. Uh, Alfa Diallo, the only one that showed up with a career-high 25 points. I was in Newark for that one. Uh, pretty disappointed train ride home, taking two trains back from Newark. And uh, really, really did not see a total stinker like that against Seton Hall, who I thought they had a decent matchup against. And then to close it out, as I mentioned, win on Saturday at Marquette, which I guess is now their favorite place to play two years in a row after the first 10 going winless. They are now 2-10 and 10 all-time in Milwaukee. Uh, really held Andrew Rousey in check. Did a pretty good job on Marcus Howard. 
the game sort of felt weirdly in control the whole way. I don't know how you guys felt, but it just seemed like they, they always kind of had it, even when it got tight at the end. I, I wasn't as worried as I probably should have been. Uh, but, Brendan, let's start with you. Give me your kind of your overall thoughts on the road trip and where you see Providence uh, heading towards their weekend game against DePaul. Yeah, three straight games away from the dunk for the Friars. Uh, you know, at Villanova, the number one team in the country. Then they had a week off, played Seton Hall, and Ed Cooley, before that game, I remember him saying how the Friars, when they have a layoff like they had, they usually come out and play pretty well. That was a total opposite when they went down to Newark. I mean, they were just never in, in that game from the get-go. Seton Hall took it right to them, and they just were never in it. Now, in between, it almost kind of felt in between the Seton Hall and Marquette game, Ed Cooley stressed to the guys, or at least the seniors, the importance of, you know, your time is running out. It's time to establish a legacy here. And, you know, to their credit, on, on last Saturday, really rose to the occasion against a Marquette team that came into the dunk first week in January. We all know what Marcus Howard did, laying them up for 52 points. And, you know, the Friars turned the table. They probably got maybe arguably, I wouldn't say the biggest win of the year, but at the time losing two in a row, you know, a Big East uh, standings where things seem to be jumbled up in the middle. It was a game that really helped them maybe solidify themselves as a maybe middle of the pack, knocking on the door of that upper tier Big East team beating Marquette. Yeah, you know, one and two uh, on the road trip is fine. It was kind of a daunting trip. Um, the Seton Hall game, like you said, it, it was kind of expected. You know, I, I didn't really have a feeling, a good feeling about that game. You know, in eight days in between Villanova and Seton Hall, it was a tough layoff and two really good opponents. And it was kind of just a schedule loss, as they call it in the NBA. It's just like set up for, for a, uh, for you know, a, a sluggish, sluggish play. But the the bright spot, at least, at this point is, is Isaiah Jackson. You know, it's that's more looking towards Marquette and Georgetown, but I, I have trouble um, looking at the last couple of games, especially Marquette. Um, without looking at Isaiah Jackson, you know, he played 26 minutes against Marquette. Gave him 13 points. I think he was like four for eight from the field, but almost as much as Kyron goes, it's like very similar with Isaiah Jackson. He's much, he's a, he's a tempo setter for this team, and, and I think he's extremely important to their success. And that kind of showed against Marquette. But weird, like you said, I mean, this place used to be kind of a house of horrors. And now it seems like we like playing at Marquette. Um, but that's a huge win to get one win out of that three-game road trip. Um, Marquette will tell you that. I mean, they lost a couple games in a row on their home court. So they're, so they're struggling. So the fact that, you know, they could get the win against Creighton before the road trip and then finish off the trip. Uh, with a win against Marquette was just huge and set them up really nicely going forward for the rest of the year. Um, and obviously, I mean, Alpha Diallo has been great. He was probably one of the standouts of the trip, uh, even in the Seton Hall game when no one showed up. He had career high 25 um, and, you know, looked to be extremely comfortable, really in control. So that's nice to see, even in a game where, you know, you just get swamped. But overall, you know, one and two doesn't look great on paper, but with the opponents and the schedule lineup, I think one and two is just fine. And specifically on Marquette, uh, obviously 77-75 feels like should have been a close game, and I guess it was, but I feel like I was sort of just watching it almost casually because it just felt like they were kind of in control. Interesting that Cooley really played mostly the small lineups with uh, Khalif Young and, and Nate Watson only playing nine minutes apiece. 
And then you have Lindsay with 39, Alpha Diallo 35, Cartwright 35, Bullock 30, and then Isaiah Jackson with 26 off the bench, 26 minutes off the bench. So really, uh, I know Marquette is a little smaller, so that kind of makes sense. But just uh, interesting that they were able to kind of exploit the matchups and make it work on defense too because obviously Howard went off last time they played for 52. Really just kind of kept everybody in check. Howard ended up with 16, Hauser with 15. Uh, but really, other than that, I mean, Greg Elliott has been pretty good as a freshman. He has definitely impressed me at 13. Theo John, who inexplicably, Theo John, I, I, I feel like I've never heard of him in my life. He appeared in the game against Providence at the dunk, and he had his career-high 14 points. It seems like that's just what Providence does. They have anonymous big men have their career nights. But uh, in the end, they, they did enough to win on the road, and that's really all you can ask for. Yeah, I mean, this was arguably the biggest game of the season to this point for Providence. I mean, they lost the close one to Marquette at the dunk earlier this year where Howard went off. Um, and this was basically, to this point, going to decide who was the sixth team in um, from the Big East. And, and, and you know, like you said, it was kind of weird because it was a close game, but it felt like they were in control for majority of this one. You know, they went with the smaller lineup with Rodney at the five, and you had other guys looking really comfortable in the post, which was kind of unusual. Like Alpha looked really good underneath, and it was great to see, but it was a little odd. Um, and they did a good job of getting Rousey in foul trouble. He got his fifth foul with like six minutes left. So obviously that was huge. Um, and with that small lineup, they went on that 9-0 run, whatever it was, um, in the second half, which kind of you know put them ahead for good. And even on the last possession, when they grabbed the steal, it was always pretty comfortable and and it was just like a really solid team effort, which is not something we've seen all the time from this year. You had five guys in double figures. You had Isaiah Jackson giving you 26 really quality minutes. Jalen Lindsey playing 39 minutes and 11 points. You know, he was great. And and Alpha continued to do, you know, what he's been doing. He's been a great contributor for this team. Six for 11 from the field, 16 points to to lead the way. But again, this was just such a huge game. And it was important for, you know, a lot of these senior leaders to kind of step up and lead the way in a huge game like this. And this team, you could tell, is slowly learning how to deal with some of these close games and learning how to handle these late-game situations. So overall, it was just a phenomenal big team win that they really, really needed. Otherwise, they could have been in trouble. You know, you're staring, you would have been staring at a 5 and – it would have been a 5-5. and five, um, No, excuse me, a 6-5 and five conference record. And, and just going into the last stretch, that would not have been ideal. So it was a hu- huge team win. Yeah, it, it just seemed uh, when – Jalen Lindsay hit two early threes for the Friars. I kind of, uh, you know, brought them to within striking distance at the time of uh, Marquette that they, things were going to be relatively okay for the Friars. You know, even though things got hairy at the end there, I believe Malik White, he went one out of two at the foul line. And then uh, Kyron Cartwright and Jalen Lindsay came up with the defensive save there. But, um, you know, Marquette, as much as uh, we've talked about them being an offensive quote unquote juggernaut, they ended up going over eight from the three-point line in the second half. They shot, you know, 49, well, 49% from the game isn't terrible, but they went from 59% in the first half down to 37.5% in the second half. So, you know, credit the Friars' defense. They really clamped down. And we've seen that more of a trend lately. I remember we discussed earlier this year how PC was struggling against some of the team's leading scores. And Marcus Howard ended up 4 for 15 with 16 points. Certainly a far cry from the 52 who he threw down the Duck and Donut Center in early January. 
And going from one where we kind of felt it was sort of in hand a lot of the way and weren't too stressed. And then we had the Georgetown game, uh, which I, I sort of talked about it in the Slack chat leading up to it. I, I felt like it was going to be one of those games where they sort of let Georgetown get out to a little bit of a lead and just were working really hard to get back a lot of the time. That's sort of how it played out. And if not for some poor late-game execution and some interesting foul calls, Providence making free throws when it counted, because shortly before that they were missing a lot of free throws that seemingly were going to cause them to lose the game. But uh, luckily to escape, they, they went on that 9-0 run the last minute 17. Diallo huge, obviously had that the big rebound and uh, free throws that tied the game. Cartwright with the game-winning free throws, and then Lindsey iced it uh, in, the, in the final point six, I think. Fifth yeah. career double-double for Diallo. Uh, really, yeah, one, one interesting thing on, uh, on the late-game execution, I know Brendan put up an Instagram video of Georgetown's final play, and really pretty pretty bad. And I, I just want an interesting angle that I think, um, I don't know if maybe people had talked about it and I missed it, but one of the things that maybe Ewing struggles with right now in his transition from being on the NBA bench for 15 years as an assistant is that there is no rule in college basketball where you can advance the ball to the front court, and maybe he's used to drawing up sideline out-of-bounds plays and not having to throw it in from 94 feet away. So just that's one interesting angle on the late game, but what are your thoughts on the Georgetown game from start to finish? Well, my, my thoughts were, too, I thought Ed Cooley was helping out Georgetown a little bit when he called timeout after Kyron Carvey made both free throws because Georgetown still had a timeout, and watching Patrick Ewing, he was still subbing at that point, and it seemed he was comfortable with the guys that he on the fl- had on the floor to see if they could perhaps win the game, tie the game, or uh, whatever. But, you know, I and then Georgetown called another timeout, PC called another timeout, and after all that, to uh, get a play like that where, you know, like you said, you can't advance the ball in college, it was just a, such a head-scratcher of a decision to try to throw up you know, a pass to midcourt thinking, okay, is this really going to end up in a Georgetown's hand? What's what? It was a low percentage play. And uh, thankfully for the Friars, they proved to be in the right spot at the right time with Jalen Lindsay coming up with it. Yeah. Well, first off, I, I 100% agree on the Ewing front. I, I think, you know, guys who are still getting accustomed to the college game, they need like a really, they need a quality X's and O's coach. And, and some programs are seeing where that can become an issue, you know, like a team like UConn, Kevin Ollie doesn't really have an X's and O's guys right now, and that's becoming an issue. I think Ewing's dealing with that a little bit at the moment, so I would definitely definitely agree with that. But yeah, this game kind of had the writings of one that was going to be closer than it really should have been um, with a guy like Jesse Govan coming in, and he obviously just had his way with Providence early and throughout the game. He finished with 27. Yeah, it was, I think, 11 for 18 from the field, so he's pretty efficient as well. Um, but bottom line is Providence with some timely well, some <laughs> inopportune free throws. They had a couple issues before Kyron and Jalen hit those at the end, but they hit the timely free throws when they needed to. They made timely plays, and again, they were just found a way to win, and that's kind of what you have to do in a lot of these Big East rock fights where it was a physical, like, old-school game, and they just needed to find some way to win, and they got the 9-0 run at the end. Kyron and Jalen hit the free throws when they needed to, even though the team was struggling beforehand, and and they got it done, and really that's all that matters. But, you know, Isaiah, I think, was really the MVP alongside Alpha 
and he gave you 29 really quality minutes, 16 points. He obviously hit the key three in the corner uh, with a minute left to get Providence within striking distance. And then you had Alpha going for 11 and 12 in 35 minutes, which was great. So I think it's all about, you know, making the timely plays and, you know, just taking the te- taking these teams as they come at you. And, and Providence toughened up on their defense in the second half, which was an issue in the first half. You know, they were still trying to figure it out, and they fell back into a zone, and then Georgetown went on a 6-0 run, and they were they were feeling out the game. And, and you know, when it came down to it, they did what they needed to do. They toughened up in a physical battle, and, and they made the timely plays. And it's I was I was pretty impressed as a whole down the stretch. I did not think they were going to pull that one out. Yeah, I mean, they were, um, you know, down 10 in the first half against the Hoyas, got it within uh, two at the half, and back and forth game a little bit in the second half, and also in Georgetown, they find themselves up five with under two minutes to go. Friars had gone, I think, two straight trips at the foul line, going one for two. Uh, Kyron Carver and Isaiah Jackson, Khalif Young had missed the front end of a one and one and you kind of think to yourself, maybe this isn't going to be PC's night. Georgetown, which had which coming in had uh, thrown a significant scare at Xavier. They seem to be in control, but, you know, the Friars, to their credit, they made a series of winning plays at the end, none bigger than uh, Kyron Cartwright, the smallest guy on the floor, coming in and grabbing the maybe the most important defensive rebound of the season, getting fouled, and then going to the foul line to uh, to ice it, so to speak, because – that inbounds play by Georgetown at the end where they still had, I believe, four point something seconds left where, you know, they could have had to go the length of the floor. They could have easily inbounded it, taking a couple dribbles and see what happens. Instead, they threw a Hail Mary pass and was picked off at, at midcourt and that was it. Yeah, it didn't look good for a while when they were just clanking free throws and missing front yeah. ends of one-on-ones and layups and everything else, but... One interesting angle, too, the last few minutes of the game when uh, Jalen Lindsey, with his face into Govin's elbow, got called for that foul, split his lip open, and he ultimately had to get five stitches after the game. But that was that, that, that was kind of a turning point where Providence had sort of clawed back and was seemingly going to maybe just melt the game away, and then they lost Lindsey for a, a little stretch there when John Rock was trying to stop the bleeding on his face so he could get back in the game. And I think I think it even went over a media timeout, and he still wasn't ready to go. So yeah. that was sort of when Georgetown kind of, because as much as Lindsey, he was a leading scorer at 17 points. I think the, he's more in a situation like that in the last four minutes of a game. He's more valuable on the defensive end, and so they they had to change things up a little bit. He'd been dealing with Govan, he'd been helping out on rebounds, and not having him in there, I think, was was a key point in the game. And they were lucky that he was able to come back. That John Rock, the immortal John Rock, was able to get in there with a, a little bandage and and uh, tape him up so he could get back in the game. Uh, and then the other thing, and you mentioned um, Diallo with he had eleven points, twelve rebounds. Some of those rebounds were just, I mean, he he's not the biggest kid. He's only about six 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 seven. And when right. you think about you know Govan is a, a monster. Derrickson fouled out a little earlier in the game. But they have some big kids uh, in Georgetown, and Diallo just no problem putting his nose right in there. And he's he's arguably been the most consistent player that Providence has had over the last five or so games. I think that's especially when you consider that almost no one else showed up in, against Seton Hall the other night, yeah, and especially right. not the seniors. So I, I don't know if you have any thoughts there. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I was talking to you guys before we started recording here. It's not the role I expected at all out of Alpha Diallo. I expected him to be a contributor, of course. But, you know, this is a kid who in the last five games, he's had three double-doubles. He went for 21-10 and 10 against Creighton. He went for 25-10 and 10 against Seton Hall and 11-12 and, uh, yeah, last night. So he's getting, you know, especially when they go into these small lineups with Rodney at the five. You know, Rodney is fine at, at the five, but he's not as active on the glass, I would say, as Alpha is. Alpha loves to crash, and he's extremely effective at it. He's active on the defensive end as well. So he's played, you know, when he came in, I thought he was going to be more of a finesse scorer. And he's played more of a hard-nosed and tough style, um, which is extremely beneficial against a team like Georgetown, who's big and kind of, they've got some bruisers down there. And, and you're going to need a guy like him um, getting in there. And then you got guys like Kyron Cartwright, too, jumping up and grabbing that big rebound at the end of the game to draw the foul. Like that, that's what you need, especially when you're running small. And, and it's impressive that some of these smaller guys and some of these wing players are, are doing so. But I, I 100% agree. Alpha's been definitely the most consistent down the stretch. And then, and to that point about the Cartwright rebound, he said after the game that that's just one of those plays, one of those winning plays that Cooley has talked to them about. And being a senior now, he's been hearing it for four years that right. you have to, at the end of the game, you gotta, you gotta really, grab rebounds you got to make free throws and they certainly did that yeah. so as much as it was a pretty uneven performance and you don't like to have the the team start really slow at home and allow a, a team that's in the bottom third of the league hang around because you never know what can happen i mean they made the winning plays when it counted georgetown didn't and that was a difference in the game and i think some of that is veteran play some of that is coaching and ewing i think said after the game he got out coached i don't know if that's you know, I, yeah. he's he's actually I think a pretty good pretty good coach. He may have made uh, a bad call on that final play with about four seconds left, but um, it, Providence, this is this is what they're going to have to do. I mean, they're going to have they're they're not they're not going to they're more likely to have to win games tough and gritty at the end like this than they are right. have everybody clicking where Bullock's got twenty and Lindsey hits three or four threes and Cartwright has no turnovers and. Everybody's doing everything right. I mean, that's that's not necessarily how they've been playing all year. Um, right. So, I, you know, I don't know if you have any final th comments on Georgetown before we go to DePaul, but I, I think this is sort of how you have to win in February. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, all Big East games are like this. They're all tough, but you're not going to get those pretty wins that Villanova has or, you know, like Seton Hall had against the Friars. Like, a week or two ago, it, it just that's just not this team's motto. It's not the way it's going to work. And and clearly, they're finding ways to win these these tough games, these gritty games. And that's something that earlier on this season, I wasn't sure they were going to be able to do. But they've done a good job with it so far. Um, you know, and especially in the last two games where you've got these, you know, they won by two against Marquette, they won by four last night, and it's these grinded out games where. You know, it's physical, it's tough, there's nothing really pretty about it. It's old school Big East, and, and it's the, the veterans and the older guys on this team that are really the difference makers. You know, like you said, I don't think Ewing got outcoached last night. I think it was just the, the difference maker was the players, the guys on the court. And Providence just had a more experienced group, and they kind of knew how to get it done. They've been in the Big East for a couple of years now, and they just know how to get it done. So I, I love the fact that that's the case, and they're starting to show some some real confidence late in these games. Because even when they were almost down and out against Georgetown, they still had a little bit of swagger to them on the court. And and I think that's extremely important, especially as you get later in February here. 
And we are getting later in February. Saturday, February 10th, will be uh, Providence's second of the third game of this homestand. It is alumni and family weekend, so expect there to be a sellout. Tickets probably a little harder to come by than a normal Saturday game against DePaul. Uh, but should be interesting. Obviously, uh, this is the return game of the, the mic'd up vampire game from um, earlier in uh, in January when Ed Cooley and Dave Lado were mic'd up the entire time for the for the broadcast on that Friday night. Providence won that game 71-64, largely on pretty much on defense, just really stymieing everything that DePaul wanted to do. Max Struss, uh, their leading scorer, finished with just eight points, really didn't get anything going. And the team, DePaul as a team, really didn't didn't really have much going offensively. Shot 38%. Providence, not exactly uh, barn burner at 43%, but did enough. And uh, and and really on the defensive end is where they won the game, which I, I expect will be the similar game plan. Uh, just don't let Struss beat you. You got you got to deal with uh, marriage down low, and he, obviously Eli Kane is always dangerous. But uh, I think looking ahead to to Saturday, 4 p.m. tip on Fox Sports Network. Uh, so that's all kinds of weird channels, including uh, Your View, which is also a weird name of a channel, formerly Cox. Uh, so that'll be that'll be where you can find it on. But just go to the game. It's just it's Alumni Weekend. You got to go. Yeah. Um, but. It, just really looking ahead to Saturday, I don't know what what your thoughts are in terms of DePaul, uh, but I think this is pr- just just without having really dug into anything yet. I think this is a a pretty easy ten plus win. Yeah, just don't overcomplicate it. You know, if you're if you're Providence, don't overcomplicate it. You did what you needed to do when you were in Chicago last time. Keep Struess under wraps. You know, he's a Pretty athletic wing, and just keep it. You can maintain him. You know, you got guys like Jalen and Alpha who have been great defending some wings similar to him in the past. So you got him, Kane, and Marich. And really, you know, it sounds kind of simple, but you don't really have too much else to worry about. I mean, McCallum's all right. Brandon Cyrus is there too. But I think if you maintain Struess, keep Kane in check, you'll be just fine. I mean, just do what you got to do. DePaul is not a very efficient team on offense. You know, Providence isn't going to have to shoot the lights out to keep up with this team at all. The crowd's going to be into it, like you said. Um, so, yeah, just don't overcomplicate it. Do your thing. And also, speaking on the crowds, the crowds have been great as of late. They've had – last night was just short of 12,000. There's been 12,000-plus prior to last night a couple times in a row. So, And that's been like a huge difference maker for the team. So I can't reiterate enough how important the crowds are to this team. And 4 o'clock Saturday, it's coming in between time. People have plenty of time to uh, enjoy some pregame festivities. I know that I will be at Bradley Cafe for a little while before the game with a group of people. Uh, I don't know. I, I've heard other people are going to uh, Trinity and Murphy's, and I think everybody will be. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure it will be. It's yeah. Obviously, the proximity is, is pretty convenient. Uh, As McNamara always I says, th- the, crowd, the crowd will be pretty lubed up by the time tip-off occurs. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say, and I think that yeah. uh, that'll only help things for Providence on Saturday. Um, I think that's it for DePaul. Uh, I, you know, yeah. We don't look too too deeply there, as you said, to keep it simple. Play defense, stop Struess, you'll win the game most likely pretty easily. Yeah. yeah. So this week I think we'll take a look. Uh, we've kind of been doing this sort of every time we do a podcast. We talk about one or two guys specifically. Um, I think we'll, we'll we'll delve in a little bit about Isaiah Jackson here. Uh, really been ver- very solid, and I've seen some people say uh, he deserves to start. 
I think he's just fine coming off the bench. Uh, I think he really kind of enjoys that role, and it gives Cooley flexibility to you know go small when he wants and bring Jackson in to play the three or the four. And so I, I like him coming off the bench. But um, he, the first two first two Big East games, he had zero points, three points. After that, he's been averaging ten point one and five point nine. Uh, really been very solid. Uh, I think you, you we met, kind of talked about it a little bit because he he's had some of these games in this last stretch where. You get like 25 minutes from him off the bench and like 10 to 15 points, seven or eight rebounds. He plays physical defense, which a lot of the guards and wings in the in the Big East maybe aren't used to the physicality that he can bring with his size. Um, so Jackson, I, I really has sort of been an uh, unsung. I think Diallo is more been sung at this point. I think Jackson, the unsung hero of of this. You know this most recent stretch where they've been playing pretty well, aside from the stinker at Seton Hall. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree in saying that Diallo gets play more attention. He's kind of you know he's a starter and he scores more points and he's just you know more likely for people to pay attention to him. But Jackson is by far the unsung hero. I mean, last two games he's played twenty six and twenty nine minutes respectively, with thirteen and sixteen. Um, and I mean, he's just been he's a Awesome, awesome boost off the bench, especially in a game like last night where it's really, really physical and he can come in and kind of bang around with some of the bigger guys on their team. And like you said, he plays that physical defense, whether he's on the perimeter or inside, um, which throws some guys off because a lot of Big East players don't really play that. Uh, And he's kind of got the old school defense going on. And he's so vitally important to this team coming off the bench. Like I said before, kind of comparable to Cartwright where they kind of, you know when he plays well the team plays well in games where he's played over 20 minutes they've only lost twice this year they lost to Houston and then they lost where you know they were pretty banged up and then they lost the OT game um against Marquette at the dunk other than that every time he's played over 20 minutes they've won and so that's got to be you know at least a little bit telling that he can kind of set the tempo and he's just a nice little burst especially last night when a guy like Rodney doesn't really have it and he's not really there he's just kind of floating around you can have a guy like Isaiah coming off the bench give you 29 minutes he goes four for 10 from the field he's seven for eight from the free throw line when the team was struggling and you know give you 16 points and uh and I think six rebounds so that's just it's huge to have him as an option coming off the bench I mean Isaiah Jackson he's you know and and I and Alpha Diallo they've both been such versatile contributors to the Friars especially during the Big East play where Ed Cooley will you know, move them around like pieces on a chessboard. He'll have them maybe play the five. He'll have them go out and guard the perimeter because they have such length to cover. But, you know, to me, going back to the Georgetown game, Isaiah Jackson arguably hit the biggest shot of the game, the three-pointer with under two minutes to go that uh, helped bring the Friars to within two and give themselves a chance to uh, get to the line and um, seal the deal. But um, Isaiah Jackson, I mean, we've we've talked about, you know, Bullock and, uh, and Diallo and Cartwright and Lindsay, the guys that have kind of been through it, and but very quietly, Isaiah Jackson has been, has put together a very solid Big East season when given the opportunity. And he's really turned into like a sneaky good jump shooter. I mean, obviously, yes. some of them some of them were a little more open than others, but I mean, he, yeah. he's been more aggressive and uh, going at confidence thing too. Yeah, I think I mean he's yeah. he's exuding confidence right now, so. Right. I mean, it's it's really been impressive to see, and I think just to highlight what you were just saying about the two games they lost. I mean, you mentioned Houston; they're obviously were banged up. That was 
they shouldn't even play Diallo and Cartwright. So that's right. he played 20 minutes because he had to. And then the other game where they lost to Marquette, Bullock was out, so he had to play more than he, he normally would. But if he's if everyone's healthy and everyone's playing their normal kind of role and he's getting 20 minutes, they just win. And it's yeah. he, he does a lot of the winning plays. They may not be a flashy dunk or a big three, although last night that was certainly the case. He had some critical he's made there. shots, especially that three right. in the corner in front of the bench. So I think Jackson, hard to, hard to overstate how important he's been this uh, during Big East play, I mean, I think I think we've really hit all the notes there. Yeah, for sure. And he's got that kind of swagger of a of a cocky bench player who comes out and knows his role, similar to what Malik White had before he got hurt earlier in the season. And I think that's so key, just to you know be confident coming off the bench and he's ready when called upon. And and it's just it's it's so advantageous for Cooley to have. It's it's really great. Yeah, it's almost like he's Junior Labamba, but he's making jump shots too. I mean, it, yeah, really, yeah, the, the, thank God. And Cooley loves these kind of guys who are just so versatile and are willing to mix it up. And I think aside from any other offensive ability that he might present, I think the the fact that he can come in as a change of pace on defense from uh, if even if he could he's potentially guarding a point guard or a shooting guard, you're talking about he's just so much more physical than most people. And, and I don't know that that would necessarily translate in like the NCAA tournament where the whistle's a little tighter, but in the big East, he fits yeah. right in. Um, and I, and you know, he, the d- defensive end, just as much as the offensive end, he grabs a key rebound. He's not willing, he's not afraid to get his nose in there and mix it up a little bit. Uh, really been very fun to watch him kind of emerge a little bit over the last several weeks. Alpha Diallo has been kind of emerging slowly since the second half of his freshman season last year. Um, but but interestingly that you know we we mentioned he's a starter he's he he's getting some more pub but uh i think he <clears throat> he's arguably been the most consistent player uh on the providence team in the last month plus and uh i, I you know aside from the Seton Hall game where he was the only one to show up even in other games where other you know guys have been stepping up and making shots and playing well Diallo still manages to make a key play here or there. He does have these weird little stretches where he doesn't play well and Cooley has to kind of yell at him a little and get him refocused. But then after that, he comes in. And and the other thing, too, on that, um, before we get too deep, uh, I just think there's there's a clear correlation between how much better he's been playing and how much more frequently he's been playing within 10 feet of the basket. And that's not to say that he can't make jump shots. It's certainly a weakness in his game, but he he can make open shots. But he's so versatile at six seven that he can go inside, post up a smaller guard or even a wing because the wings aren't used to playing inside, and he has a pretty nice little inside game. And when he's playing and and getting inside and and driving and kicking and and getting fouled and and that's where he's at his bread and butter, and he's been just more focused on doing that. And I think in the beginning of the year or when he's been having bad games, it's more because he's settling for jumpers too frequently. Yeah, and I think it's just a classic case of a younger college player kind of realizing how, you know, advantageous his length is because he's a, he's six seven and he can and he can bang around down low like it showed. Granted, it was a smaller team, but against Marquette, he was effective in the post. And like you said, it's just when he can he can get to the hoop so easily, which I think he kind of started to realize, you know, three quarters of the way through last season. Why you know why am I not getting to the hoop every time? And it's it's made him such. You know, it's it's upped his efficiency so much. He's scored in double figures every game since the first game of the Big East, uh, and that was December twenty eighth, I believe, at St. John's. So 
He's been in double fit double figures the whole way. He's able to get physical and play a hard nosed game while also, you know, kind of finessing his way to the hoop, which we talked about before. So his versatility is just is huge. And besides those little lapses, like you said, until Cooley has to, you know, wake him up, snap him into it, he's just by far been been the most consistent player for this team. And I'm I'm really impressed considering he's only a sophomore. But he's kind of figuring out his length because he's still young and, and he's really, really progressing pretty quickly. I was actually talking to a uh, member of the uh, Celtics front office the other night, uh, last night against Georgetown, and he was kind of raving about Alpha's progress over the last year or so, just talking about his length and his ability to get to the hoop in a couple dribbles and draw a foul. And, and that's not it's something a lot of sophomores at his point in his career can't really do. So he's making some pretty good progress, and it's clear people are starting to notice. I mean, people will uh, say that uh, Alpha Diallo is a prime candidate maybe to win Big East Most Improved player of the year. I think at this point, they might as well just name it the uh, Providence College Most Improved Player Award because it seems every year a Friar is tagged with that award. But I, you know, as much as we saw the potential last year from Diallo, he's really taking it up to another level this year. You know, coming, you know, he was the only one who showed up offensively against Seton Hall with a career-high 25 points, and now he's becoming even more a, of a force on the glass. Three out of the last five games, I believe, he has ten rebounds and and has double doubles. You know he, you know he is maybe quietly stating his case as the best player on this Friar team. Not necessarily the most important because I still think that distinction belongs to Kyron Cartwright. But um, you know, if you look at the standings or the stats right now, it isn't Rodney Bullock who isn't leading this team in Big East scoring. It's uh, Alpha Diallo. He's coming into the Georgetown game. He was averaging 15.3 points per game with uh, Rodney Bullock averaging 13.7. So um, I think uh, the sky's the limit for Diallo, and uh, he's uh, making a case as to be the most uh, valuable player on this year's Friars team. Yeah, I mean, just looking at his straight uh, straight line in terms of season averages from last year to, to this year, he's playing similar minutes per game obviously starting a lot more frequently this season, but he went from 21 minutes to basically 29 minutes. And he went from taking about two shots, uh, four shots a game to 10 shots a game. Last year he shot 41% from the field. He's shooting almost 50%. So just in terms, as you said, efficiency, he's taking more shots, making more shots, and the the he's taking most of those additional shots from two-point range. Um, which I think is important. He's still getting to the line at a decent clip. I mean, I'd like to see better than 2.3 makes a game out of 3.1 attempts. I think he probably should get there at least five times a game, but that'll come. Yeah. Rebounding numbers have doubled from 3.2 to 6.4. I mean, really, across the board, he's, uh, and obviously the points per game, 5.7 to 12.7. I mean, we I think we, we've we highlighted everything, really. I think he's just been, he's been, if, if Rodney Bullock was playing like Rodney and and I should I don't want to kill Rodney cuz he's just had a couple of bad games lately. Before this he yeah. was playing very consistent and nothing flashy, nothing crazy, but let's say he was playing a little flashy and crazy and averaging like 17 or 18 a game. Providence would have won probably two additional games with the way that Diallo has played in addition. But the, you know, the the fact that they're even here with Bullock having not played great, Cartwright's had some spells and I'm not sure that he's healthy, frankly. It looked like he yeah. kind of rolled his ankle or did something last night in the Georgetown game again. He he just he's he's missed a bunch of free throws. He doesn't he's made some really horrible out of character passes, um, even for him. So I'm not I'm not so sure that he's totally healthy at the moment. But really, 
Diallo and Jackson have been the two most consistent players. And then you see Providence win and and have these nice stretches in games where they get out to like an eight ten point lead when everybody kind of clicks for five minutes. But the problem has been they go three or five minutes without scoring. And so getting that consistency over the last three or four weeks of the season here will kind of be what Ed Cooley, I think, will be fine-tuning as they try to get to March 3rd, the last game of the season, and then obviously to uh, Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think the consistency factor as a team is is pretty spot on. You ask any Providence fan right now, they're going to point out the the three-minute scoreless spans, the four-minute scoreless spans that seem to happen every game. But the fact of the matter is that they've been able to deal with those as they've come over the last couple games um, and find ways to win. I've said it so many times over the last you know half hour that we've been talking, but it's it's true. And and you pointed out Rodney's you know inconsistencies over the last few games, and and you know it's annoying because he was playing very well before that, and you know had he been playing to the top of his ability alongside Alpha, they probably could have grabbed a win an extra win here or there. But the fact of the matter is like last night, you know, Rodney plays 24 minutes and scores four points and they still find a way to win. That has to be looked at as a victory that, you know, the rest of the team is still finding ways to produce even without Rodney where, you know, last year he was their go-to guy. And if he wasn't putting up 18 plus a game, they were in total trouble. So it's great that there are now other options and, and yeah, Alpha's Alpha's been the guy um, in terms of consistency. So I think, I think we've got him, just about covered, but his progress is through the roof. It's awesome. Back here in the studio, uh, thanks for Chris and Brendan getting together again after a little bit of a layoff. Uh, everybody's been kind of busy, but we're back uh, with another episode for everyone here this week. You heard from us on the road trip and uh, talking a little bit about the Georgetown win the other night. Uh, Ed Cooley was asked to give his thoughts on the on the win against uh, Georgetown during the biweekly Big East media coaches call. That took place Thursday morning. So you heard from us now. Hear from Ed Cooley. Yeah, we were really fortunate to win the other night. I was really proud of our guys on, you know, uh, bouncing back. We got down early. I thought we had some great veteran leadership. Um, I thought Alpha and Isaiah Jackson were uh, pivotal in the win as their versatility continues to show. Uh, I thought uh, we made some timely baskets. and uh, It was a really good win for us. Got to try to win your home games. Certainly critical to win your home games. As Ed Cooley just said, the Friars obviously at home on this Saturday against DePaul. They have, uh, I believe, four home games remaining the rest of the way and three road games over the final seven Big East games in their uh, quest to get at least 10 Big East wins. Although some people are saying that maybe they really need 11. I know we were talking about it in the Slack channel a little bit today, looking at some of the metrics, projecting RPIs and things like that. Obviously, the more wins, the better, but 10 has been kind of the magic number of late. Certainly 11 would be very welcome, but holding serve at home, important. And that'll do it for another episode here of the Providence Firecast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It's most appreciated. Look forward to seeing a lot of people down around in Providence this weekend on campus and uh, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. We'll talk to you next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the Providence Friarcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Mike, follow Mike, get us on Twitter, Twitter, on Twitter and Instagram. At PCBB1917. Like the Facebook page. And as always, stay classy, Friartown.